Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan, and I serve as the Connections Pastor here at Journey. We we started a new series recently called Made for This, um, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, this week was titled Discover Purpose, and we're going to jump into the message here in a little bit, but uh, Pastor Christian, it's actually our nine-year anniversary. Hard to believe uh, it's been nine years ago since we, we sat down and you shared the vision of what you uh, what God had laid on your heart about about JCI. So, uh, being anniversary Sunday, um, pretty unbelievable. What 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 are a couple of your favorite memories? Well, the I mean, the first one for me, Ryan, always um, is so ten, ten years ago this month. Um, ten years ago next month, you know, I was on a plane to South Korea for a pastors conference, uh, and and was writing in my journal as I was contemplating. Uh, leave, leaving full-time church ministry um, to potentially um, maybe go coach football, uh, maybe go teach at a Bible college, uh, maybe get back into education. You know, after a, after a decade in local church ministry, um, I, I think I I was trying to figure out, Lord, is this my purpose? Right? I mean, we talk about discovering purpose, trying to figure out, you know, God, is this a purpose for for the rest of my life? Um, I'd spend a year talking with churches, trying to figure out if I was supposed to go pastor a church. I'd been a student pastor and a teaching pastor. Um, but I, I just knew something was supposed to change it. I, I was, um, I tell people a, a professional pastor, but a pretty part-time Christian. And I just wasn't living a personal, vibrant faith life. And I knew I needed to change. Um, and I, I, for a year, for a couple of years, actually had been talking with people about, Hey, what's next? And they always sense the passion in in me that God had called me to in living my Christian life, um, seeing people who didn't know Jesus um, be embraced in their faith walk and and you know over discussions and um, you know through relationship helping people understand who Jesus was, learning and teaching the Bible, uh, a real passion for men's ministry and the discipleship and transformation that happened through men's ministry, uh, this, this hunger for me spiritually to do global missions and this, um, conviction of mine that any churches that collected offerings should be giving offerings to things that would make a purpose. Like I had this, I had this deep passion for things that like I would do if I ran the world, but I didn't run the world and I didn't think I'd ever have the, the ability to do so. And every time I talk to people, who were engaged in church planning, they say, man, you just need to start a church. And I, I would just say, like, there's no way in the world of all my, of all of my gifts that I had 10 years ago, probably my faith gift was the lowest. I think it's always been your highest. Uh, there was a chance when if I couldn't, if it didn't, if it didn't make sense on paper, there was just no way the risk was, was just too much. Um, so man, I, I toyed with, I toyed with going to pastor a church, maybe going to coach football. Um, and I, I prayed, God, if you want me to start a church, tell me, but man, I'd rather not. And I just remember, remember on a plane, um, flying between Seattle and Seoul, um, South Korea, just saying, you know, Lord, um, I'm done. I'm done living the way that I'm living right now. 
I'm open to whatever you have for me. If you will clearly show me what to do, uh, I'm all in. Um, and I remember writing in my journal, I'll pastor a church. I remember writing, I'll stay and be a teaching pastor at my current church. Um, and putting, you know, I'll, like, I'll even consider planning a church if that's what you want. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Um, and a day later, uh, being, um, at a prayer rally in Seoul, South Korea on a Thursday morning where 14,000 people would come to a 10:30 a.m. Bible study and watching a group of Koreans pray with the passion that I, I don't know that I'd ever seen anyone pray with all out loud together. And then the next morning, um, really sensing God's call that, man, all the things that, that you are passionate about, those are the things that I've put in you. That's your purpose. But man, you got to step out and live in faith. I mean, for me, always the greatest memory of Journey Church International sitting in the basement of that church and, um, Seoul, South Korea and, and having God say, um, man, I'll, I'll help you. If you live in faith, I'll help you. I have put these things in you, right? I, I have shaped you this way. You are discovering how you've been created. If, if you will act on it, I'll help you. Um, for me, always, I go, I go back to that one. Um, and then, you know, the first Sunday, the first Sunday of public services that we had, September 18th, uh, 2011. I think really two, two things stand out. The first Sunday that we had public services and the first morning of Monday of, of 21 days of prayer that we ever did. These were just things in my soul I had to do for my own Christian walk, even if nobody showed up. Um, and I knew I was being obedient to Jesus on September 18th, 2011. If, if no one came to church, it was going to be a win for me. Um, because I didn't feel, I didn't feel like God, had told me to build a great church. I felt like he'd been, he told me to be faithful in starting one because of what, of what it would do in my faith journey. I remember standing on the sidewalk as cars began to pull in and people began to walk in thinking, man, like here we, like I will never forget thinking if no one came, this would have all been worth it for me spiritually. And I felt the exact same way when we had our very first ever 6 a.m. prayer service. Um, I had to do it for me. My, my prayer life needed strength and it needed deepened. It needed sacrifice. It needed toughness. It needed a little grit. Um, and I remember standing out there thinking, if no one shows up, that's okay because I need this for me. And then the stream of headlights, um, that began to pour in both of I those things. Catching yeah. eyes with you like, oh man, oh my, can you believe this is happening? It was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and both of those things took me back to the basement at Yoedio Full Gospel Church in South, in Seoul, South Korea. Um, of God just saying, I just need you to live the way I've created you to live. I will do the rest. Just live the way I've created you to live. I will do the rest. Um, and I mean, there's dozens of, of things that I can mention. All the relationships. I mean, the greatest part of journey for me and my family, the most long lasting part of journey for me and my family and so many other families are relationships 10 years ago that didn't exist that now do and, and, and will, and will forever. People that are going to be in my son and my daughter's wedding, you know, maybe people they'll be married to, um, people whose funerals I'll go to if they die first, or they'll come to mind if I die first. Like lifelong friendships um, that have been created here, and relationships are the are the things as I as I reflect on the, I mean, the greatest parts of journey. It's the God moments and the people moments of uh, of the last decade. If I could share a few, I remember so many awesome baptisms 
just the baptisms for me were were a great reminder of why we were doing what we were doing, the stories, the tears, the laughter, getting to baptize my own son and holding him under a little bit longer because, you know, <laughs> we always say, you know, how long do you get baptized for? It depends on how many sins you committed, how long we hold you under the water. So I held him, on a, you know, I gave him a double dunk just for a little extra fun. But so many great baptisms. Your daughter being the first one we ever baptized. I yep. remember that. The water was freezing cold. Yep. That was before we had a heater and we had the, yeah, the, yeah. the plush baptism system we've got going on. Yeah. It now. was, it was, uh, I remember thinking, you got to be serious about Jesus today. And Casey was and is, and yep. she has proven that. Yep. So, so great. I remember one, I don't even know if you got her whole head under there. Another, another girl, Taylor's daughter. I was like, she might be partially baptized. Yeah, <laughs> she was so cold; she didn't want to go all the way. Sometimes under. I have to I had to take my wet hand and put it on top of the part of the head that didn't didn't get it, just in case. Yeah, just in case. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I remember that. Uh, you know, set up and tear down uh, was always so much fun. I mean, it was a lot of work, but I wouldn't trade it. I mean, the time in the car with my son, a donut and coffee at Quick Trip every single week with my son just just hours. I would I wouldn't trade. Um, and I remember the faith moments too when it was looking up at you like we're adding look at all these chairs we're adding can you believe people just keep pouring into some lakes here it was pretty awesome you know and and then locking eyes with jerry baxter and others and we're just like, wow people just keep coming yeah and the reason we had to add chairs is every week you guys would sit out the chairs and i would say take that's, take 50 off that's we're too not many. gonna we're not gonna have that many people yeah. Yeah. and then i would start hearing during the second or third song the clank of chairs going down and finally the usher said like will you trust us and yeah. like leave the chairs alone just trust us yes I, I remember that was a big faith moment for me, for me thinking what if no one comes there are still sundays that you know i wake up thinking man what if what if no what if no one comes yeah um but guy god's been faithful he he keeps keeps bringing people even in the 13 weeks that no one came uh, but they they were watching online god has continued the work that he started here yeah it, it's been a lot of fun um Second question, what what are one to two leadership lessons you've learned that you could pass on? Man, I think the two biggest as I look back would, would be to have more faith and less fear. We we did a series when we moved into our building a few years ago called Fearless, and uh, kind of the subtitle of the series was Faith Over Fear. We made T-shirts that said Faith Over Fear and wristbands that said Faith Over Fear. Yeah, you're wearing that Faith Over Fear uh, shirt right now. Danielle showed me a post on Facebook, World Help, one of our uh, partners, um, has, has, a, a young guy in one of their, uh, physical therapy hospitals that was wearing a faith over fear shirt in a post that they gave that we had, that we awesome. had sent them. Um, you know, all the, all the moments wasted in worry and fear of worst case scenario that just were never as bad as we thought they were going to be, or they really did go that bad, but it was no big deal because God had something better planned. Um, were huge. I, you know, I, w- I would say if, if I could go back to myself nine years ago, I would say less, less fear, more faith, have fun. Um, less fear, more faith, have fun because there have been a lot of really neat God moments that, that you spend so much time worrying about, probably too little time praying about that when they finally happen, instead of feeling great joy, you just feel great relief. Um, you know, and I, I think even now I'm, I'm learning to turn the corner of more faith, less fear, which leads to more joy, less relief, because you live with a spirit of expectation rather than dread. And when expectation is fulfilled, is really, really exciting. Um, when dread, when when dread is not realized, it's just a relief. 
Um, so I, I think God's still trying to trying to help me live through through a positive version of faith rather than a kind of a negative version of of uh, of fear. But um, and it's gonna it took me thirty three thirty five years to learn to be afraid and expect the worst of everything. It might take me another thirty three thirty five years to flip and expect the best of everything. But I'll I'll keep working in that direction if if God will let me. Yeah. You know, it is interesting how God brings staffs and people together. Um, you know, your your leadership led us through, and at times my faith, you know, kept uh, uh, kept uh, all of us uh, calm. It, it's great how He has shaped the great team that we have. You know, we talked about that uh, today, just about all the different personalities and giftings that that God has has brought to our church. Um, you know, our mission statement, we exist to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. We've got a great 25-year vision that we've talked about in recent months. How, if you drive by, you'll see that we've, uh, we've started, uh, you know, the building project uh, with the land and, and things we're doing there. How will the new building help us accomplish all that God has for our church that God wants to do in the years to come? Yeah, well, I think first it'll help us accomplish what God has called us to do in our church right now. Um, and, and that is that, and that, that is this, like we, we need our family to be together mm-hmm. right now. Um, we are a, uh, we, we're like a couple who decided, um, you know, we're, we're going to get pregnant twice and that's it. So we bought a, you know, a little four door car with two front seats and two back seats. Um, and so we're never going to get, we're, we're, we're never going to upgrade and we got pregnant and, and we had a boy and then we got pregnant a second time and had triplets. And instead of saying, God must have something different planned than we did and upgrading to a minivan, we said, no, our plan was for two. Um, so we always leave two kids at home and, you know, or, or make two trips everywhere. Um, we're, we're a church that, you know, we thought we'd be real comfortable at size X. Um, and God said, not like I'm thinking size 5X, but, but we refused for a little while. Um, to upgrade the vehicle that would that would hold our entire family, it's like buying a kitchen table that has four seats, and all of a sudden your family grows to six. So you only let you know two kids eat at a time while sending the others to the room. It's like no, we need to we need to, we need a table that will fit the whole family. And I think the first part of the building is going to be allowing our entire family to be together, which really this season of 2020 has allowed us to do at least for our staff family. I mean, Ryan, our um, our staff and our elders for two years. Um, have been divided between two campuses a mile away from each other because one won't hold it. And just recently being able to come back together and just having all of our ministry team and all of our, all of our elders, um, under the same roof at the same time, man, it's just felt, it's just, it's felt like the family is together. So being able to have a building where, where our church can be together, where people can go to church with people in their small groups is, is going to be a big deal for us. Lord willing, we'll, we'll outgrow it again and have to plant some other campuses a little more strategically with people who are very, very specifically called to, to go and do that. And they're part of our town. Um, but the building is going to allow us to be together before church and after church. It's going to allow us to do discipleship during church. It's going to allow us to do great counseling and care throughout the week. It's going to, um, it's going to hold our ministry school that's going to equip the next generation. It's going to facilitate our Bible Institute, which we think is really going to allow our people to be grounded in their faith. It really is going to be, um, it's going to be the home that's going to allow our church to accomplish everything 
that God has called us to so that we can have all the impact that I think God desires for us to have. Uh, so it's, it's going to be really, really exciting. Again, a huge step of faith, trying to approach it with more faith, less fear, more expectation, less dread, so that when it all comes together and when it is all finally realized, uh, we can have great excitement celebration instead of just great relief and then a week of sleep. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for our building to allow our church to be together again and then a place that will allow all the things that we believe our church is called to do to be accomplished here on our site so that we can then accomplish the greater vision of our church, um, you know, making disciples who will make disciples, equipping people who will go and accomplish the great commandment, the great compassion, the great commission, loving God deeply, helping hurting people in an impactful way, and then reaching people all over the world. You know, people are going to be driving by and seeing what's going on. I just, right before we were recording this podcast, I popped into to Miners, and uh, Kevin over there, who I see quite a bit, goes, uh-huh. man, what's going on over there? What's going on over there? So uh, I've, I've invited him to church a number of times, and we'll continue to do so. But I want to challenge you, if you're listening to the podcast, your friends and family and neighbors are going to notice what's happening. It's an opportunity to invite them to come to church. Um, so be thinking about that. Uh, we are building this um, for many of your friends and family who haven't come yet, but will come one day. So remember to invite them. That's that's why we're doing that. What's uh, What's been the biggest surprise of the last nine years? The um, My continued need for spiritual growth and leadership growth. Um, I continue to be surprised at how much I have to learn how much I have to grow, how little I am like Jesus in key areas of my life. Um, you know, I think you you hope at least it. you know, in your 30s you might arrive or in your 40s you might get close. Um, but I, you know, I, I truly feel like Isaiah, every time God begins to unpack a new vision to us, it's like, wow, whoa, like, woe is me. I don't think we are so ill-equipped. Um, to do what God has called us to do. We're so unqualified to do what God's called us to do, but we're not unwilling. So if God will help us, um, we can go. I, um, I had way more confidence, answers, probably arrogance, nine years ago as a church planner and a pastor than I, than I do today. I, um, I could have told way more people about how to build a church nine years ago than I can today. Uh, because the answer today is, um, people say, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you start a church and get it to where it is right now? I really have no idea. Like you just hang on for dear life. That's what <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah. Um, you you pray, you preach the word of God, you love people well, you get the greatest human beings in the world around you to to be your staff. You invite people into the process and try to love and care for them well. You make lots and lots of mistakes. You know, you develop great relationships and you have some busted relationships you'll regret for the rest of your life because you weren't where you needed to be at a specific time. But, um, I, I think nine years ago, I, th- I thought, man, I, th- I think I've got this figured out. I think we'll be okay. Um, had tremendous confidence, um, but, but very little expectation probably that it would go well. And now I have very, very little confidence that I know what I'm doing with a great expectation that it'll go well. So maybe, maybe the biggest surprise is, um, how much bigger I see Jesus, how much smaller, um, I see myself. And that seems on a, on a daily basis, um, 
that 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 continues. Jesus gets a little bigger, I get a little smaller, which which is what John the Baptist said. I think it's supposed to work that way. Uh, yeah, so I think you're on I think the right that's, track. I think that's a I think that's a good thing. Um, but man, if nine years looks like today, what does eighteen years look like? What does twenty seven years look like? That is the hope that is going to get me out of bed tomorrow at four a.m. again for day five of twenty one days of prayer and say, man, let's go because. My goodness, if the nine years have been, last nine years have been this much fun, uh, next, the next nine are, are uh, going to be the greatest years of my life. Well, I, I think the, the humbleness that, um, that you're taking, and, and I know your heart is to constantly be a learner, is a good thing. And, and I'm, I know God's blessed uh, our efforts uh, because as a staff, I think we, we really strive to be that way. 21 Days of Prayer started this past week. You you made mention to it. You made mention of the wake-up time, which has been bright and early. <laughs> it's been early. It's been dark and early. It's which been is dark worse, and early. Worse than bright and early. But the weather has been awesome. Beautiful. It's been beautiful mornings, beautiful. right? So what besides the weather and the, the great mornings, what, what's been your favorite takeaway uh, after this first week? Well, I, I mean, I love to pray. I mean, every day I love to pray. There's no better feeling on planet Earth spiritually then the moment you get off your knees, because you literally have, if you've done it right, you literally have laid the cares of the world at the feet of Jesus. And I mean, you just, you stand up so full of hope, so full of support, so full of care, even though nothing a lot of times is physically changed that you know about, the spiritual change is incredible. Um, so for, for me personally, I love to pray. Um, so, you know, if, if you were to ask me what's, what's been my favorite takeaway every day when I say amen, that is the best moment of that day for me. For a church, just watching people pray, watching people learn to pray, um, watching people. I, I've had a conversation. I mean, we're only four days in while we're recording this podcast. Stop, you're, you're yawning over there because you've been up since 4 a.m. Um, <laughs> edit that out. Yeah. Please. So all, don't edit that out. Um, almost, almost every day. Well, yeah, every day since the first day. Um, I've had people come up to me who are pretty new to our church who've been going to church their entire life, but they've never gone to a church that prays together and they're just blown away. Like, like their spiritual life has been transformed overnight, just like mine was in Korea by one time watching a group of people pray. And I remember, I remember sitting in that balcony in Seoul, South Korea in 2009 watching those people pray, thinking, I need to move my family here. I need I need to move where people pray like this. And now I look back and God said, no, 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 you need to take prayer like this to where you live. Don't move to where it is. Move it to where you are, because I want people all over the world to do this. Uh, and And I think for me, like the conversation I had with a, a mom and her daughter on the sidewalk this morning, who visited Journey for the first time on Sunday, visited 21 days of prayer for the first time, I think, on Tuesday, and then came back this morning and just, just the spirit, just the spirit in the presence of God just is amazing. We've never experienced anything like this in our life. Um, if you read the Bible, they were known for getting up while it was still dark and praying. I wish it wasn't such a shocking revelation how powerful it is. Uh, I wish the church was still known for getting up while it's still dark and praying. Uh, but maybe, uh, maybe if, if, if we do it long enough, uh, maybe, maybe that's what some people might know us for. That's the church 
that prays while it's still dark. Um, and they got a bunch of teenagers running across 150 highway with flashlights and signs screaming at us, um, at 5:30 AM. Our interns have done an incredible job out on our drive, welcoming people in. Um, you know, maybe all of those are, maybe all of those are my favorite things so far. I had a similar conversation with a guy today who tuned in twice online last night at 11. He said, I had to come in person. I had to see what was going on. I felt like yeah. I, I loved it online, but I had to come in person. And he's only been to our, I think Sunday was his and his wife's second Sunday at our church. And he's already like, I love it. I, it's so great. The spirit's moving. It's so great to see what God's doing. So it was really, really neat to have that conversation with him this morning. Pastor Christian, as we transition, talk a little bit about the message since we spent uh, a lot of time talking about anniversary, 21 days of prayer. I wanted to touch on just one point from the message. It was truth number three. And you said, I can choose to reprioritize my life around my highest calling. And you, you go on to talk about Matthew and Simon the Zealot. This was really, really powerful. Uh, can you revisit this important point about getting on Team Jesus? Yeah, so you you read it wrong there. Um, four times in Scripture, the disciples are listed in Matthew, Mark, I think Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, Acts 1. In Acts 1, it's only 11 of the disciples because Judas is gone. And in Mark 3, Luke 6, Acts 1, they're listed just the way you read it, Matthew and Simon the Zealot. In Matthew, they're listed as Matthew the tax collector. Mm-hmm. And Simon the Zealot, because Matthew was written to Jewish people, and Jewish people would have neither read the word Matthew nor Simon. They would have read tax collector and zealot, and said, "Time out. How were those guys on the same team?" Mm-hmm. Um, because, and you you could go back and listen to the message, but the but the reality is, um, zealots, which were one of the four primary religious political parties in Israel. You had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, you had the Essene community, which wrote the Dead Sea Scroll. Some people think John the Baptist was part of the Essene community. Um, a lot, of, a lot of scribes in the Essene community, and then you had zealots, which were po- political. They were more than political zealots. His, history, secular history, um, remembers them practicing guerrilla warfare. In the ancient world, probably you would use a word that that today is synonymous with terrorism. Uh, they were known for assassinations and rogue attacks on Roman delegations or people who worked for the Roman government. They were people who were um, strict Zionist who believed that Israel should be ruled by Israel, that it was the promised land for Israel's people. No one else should be there. And this thought of Roman occupation, Roman rule, Roman taxes um, was a no-go. The most severe um, and rogue group of zealots was in Galilee. Josephus, the historian, we quoted him in the message, talking about the the battles between the Roman soldiers who would travel out of Rome and the zealots in Galilee. Galilee was in northern Israel, so that's where the Roman army would always kind of meet their first defense. The zealots thought if we could cut them off kind of at the neck here before they before they get into the country and are able to pass you know, through the Via Mares, the, the way of the sea. They're just a little south of Beit Shan, between Beit Shan and Megiddo. Maybe we can keep out, out of our country. He, he talked about the Sea of Galilee um, being red with blood because of the, the bloody battles that, that would happen on the Sea of Galilee between the zealots um, and the Roman army. 
so to think about Jesus, who people thought was the Jewish Messiah, zealots would have been drawn to the Messiah because they thought the Messiah was going to be this military king who was going to overthrow overthrow Rome. And then to hear the Messiah say, if somebody hits you on the right cheek, turn to him the left too. They would say, no, 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 before someone hits you in the right cheek, like you knife him in the heart. Um, like, like, but you know, before a Roman soldier asks you to walk one mile, Jesus says, if a soldier asks you to walk one, because they, they could, by Roman law, they could compel someone to walk a mile. If you were a citizen of theirs, they could force you by law to carry something one mile. Jesus said, if a Roman soldier would ask you to carry something for a mile, carry it two. Because as you walk the second mile, he's going to look at you and say, okay, what's different about you? And this is going to help you. Help him understand where your heart is spiritually. The zealots would have said, no, 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 no. Before the Roman soldier asks you to carry something one mile, you see him coming, shoot him in the head with an arrow, and then you steal his stuff and you carry it all the way back home. Like Jesus' message to go into Galilee and to get a zealot to follow the message of this beatitudes, poor in spirit, submissive, surrender, peaceful, merciful God. One, for Jesus to attract a zealot, it's like, th- that doesn't make sense. But then for a zealot and a tax collector, um, the only people more hated than Romans in Israel were, were Jewish tax collectors who had sold out their country to work for Rome, ex- exchanging basically their Jewish citizenship for the Roman dollar. Um, zealots would have robbed them. They would have burned down their tax booths. I mean, they... They would have been the scum of the earth. Tax collectors were not even allowed to testify in a court of law because they were all lawyers and they, or they were all liars and they lived by taking bribes. You, you, like, you can even, you can get a tax collector to even testify on your behalf. So for a zealot and a tax collector, and only Matthew describes himself this way, for a zealous, a zealot and a tax collector to be together, anyone who was Jewish reading that book would have, would have seen that two guys who had placed their entire world in their subgroup, tax collectors, zealots, had laid aside things they were passionate about, which were not the primary purpose of their life that God had called them to. They had got on Team Jesus, and they had reprioritized their life around his calling to love God deeply, to help hurting people, and to go all over the world telling people not about the zeal of the Jewish state, but about the salvation of the Jewish Messiah, not about the security of the Roman dollar, but the eternal security of the Jewish Messiah. For these guys to reprioritize their life around Team Jesus would have gotten everyone's attention, um, which is why Matthew wrote it that way, it's, which is why we see when when we discover our purpose, it might take some change in your life to get there. But once you join Team Jesus, you have a new mission, and it's an eternal mission. And it is the most fulfilling and impactful thing that you can possibly do. Um, you might have to lay down your zealot. You might have to lay down your tax collector. But man, if you will pick up your cross, team Jesus and the new mission that he calls you to is better, better than anything else than there is, that there is. I, uh, obviously in light of a lot of things going on in our world, that's a, that's something that a lot of people need to chew on and really, you know, check their hearts and spirits on. Are they, are they pushing for, what Jesus would want them to do or what they're necessarily zealous about or what they're uh, politically leaning towards. And uh, just some things for those listening to really chew on and pray about. Uh, Would you close 
uh, growth tracks underway. Would you close with you know a, another real pitch for our people uh, for our discipleship and connection onboarding process known as growth track? Would you just um, you know, share the importance of why people need to jump into this. Yeah, so if any time in the last eight years we would have given this message about discovering your purpose and like and like getting in, let's go. Um, discover your purpose, let's go. This, this message any time in the last eight years would have ended with a little card in the bulletin that says you need to sign up and start volunteering. Like, let's go, get involved. We said in this season, this is not about you volunteering at Journey. This is not about us. This is about you. This is about you discovering your purpose. Um, this is about you figuring out who you are. So while you're at Journey, and when you move to Alaska, like the Richardsons have done, or when you Robinsons. move, Robinsons have done, <laughs> yeah, um, Tori and Brad, Brad, um, yeah. So when you move to Alaska, you're still doing it. So when, like the um, gal I talked to on the way into church, you just moved to Alabama. And she's going to start attending church down there. Um, but she was back this week, so she came to prayer with one of her friends. So when you moved to Alabama, this is like, so So when your kids who have been involved in Journey's children's ministry, um, when all their best friends go to a different church, when they're teenagers, and you switch churches so they can go to a youth group, um, this is not about Journey and the needs we have. This is about you and the purpose you have. We believe if you will know God, if you will let him transform you from the inside out, if you will discover your purpose and then do it at Journey or wherever, at Abundant Life, at Eagle Creek, at Summit Park, at Fellowship of Greenwood, all churches I would recommend or go to if I just lived in this town. Um, this is about you discovering your purpose, who God created you to be, and then finding out where God is moving and and grabbing one of the oars and rowing and saying, man, let's um, let's go. And we believe this process, whether you're a part of Journey or whether you're a part of any church in any city where you might live, um, we believe this pro- this process, this, this this discipleship pathway, is life transforming for the individual, world transforming for the community you live in. The, we believe this is the process that answers a prayer: "Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." This message looked at Jesus. There's no doubt that Jesus has a desire to work on earth. There's no doubt that he wants to work through people. And once you figure out what your part of that is and you get on Team Jesus and start doing it, um, your world and the world begins to change in a positive way. So that's what this process is about. And, and man, we would love everyone at our church to work their way through this process um, so that we have people serving at Journey. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, if we if we have a bunch of people who know God and their lives have been transformed— and they know exactly who God created them to be, and they can do that at our church? Yeah, absolutely we, we want to do that. But more than that, this discipleship pathway of walking people t- towards who God called them to be so his kingdom can come on earth as it is in heaven is, is what we want to accomplish. And we, we think we think that'll happen if people will just take uh, step one, step two, step three, step four, and then just keep moving forward. Thank you for uh, mentioning that. I think that was a really great um, look at what we hope to accomplish in people's lives. If you want to get involved, you can text Journey Growth to 474747. You'll get a sign up. There'll be a nice link kind of explain you a little bit more about Growth Track, and you can sign up for uh, the next step that uh, will be here on a Sunday. Pastor Christian, it's been a great nine years. It's uh, It's been awesome to see what God's done. I'm excited for the next nine years and beyond. Um, we want to we want to thank you who are listening today for listening to the podcast. 
We hope you'll tune in on Sunday to either our, our live services uh, at Facebook Live, YouTube, the JCI app, or takethejourney.cc. Or, man, we'd love to see you here in person, one of our services, 8, 9, 30, or 11 inside or at our outside venue that we've got. If you want to let us know how God's working in your life or you have a question we can answer, uh, email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Uh, but we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.